Happy Mother's Day again. If you're visiting, I want to just say thank you as well for visiting. Uh, My name is Peter, and I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. Today we're in our final week, week 11, our final week of our series, All and Nothing. Jesus is all good things. All good things come from Jesus, like the gospel, which is the good news. All good things come from him, and nothing else matters. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet one last time in this series as we read our last public reading of Colossians. We're in the last chapter, chapter 4. We'll read verses 2 through 6. The Apostle Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom, verse 5, toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The Word of God. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. God, please add a blessing to the reading of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in our praying and in our doing. Amen. Let me start by recapping how the the book of Colossians, this letter, really answers all the big questions of life. So the very first chapter, the big why question is answered by Paul. Why do we live and have blood coursing through our veins? What's the point of life? And the answer to that big question, the reason for life is the default kids church answer. If you don't know the answer, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the reason for life. And Paul starts off this letter in chapter one here, just declaring that the the reason that we exist and, and the fundamental understanding of who you are and what you should do in your life is all about who Jesus is. This mystery of this one who Paul calls preeminent, glorious, the image of the invisible God. The invisible God made visible. He's glorious. He's the reason for our life. And that's why Paul ends the first chapter by saying this, that God chose to make known the riches of the glory of the great mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so with this mystery, it leads us into chapter two about how this glorious, amazing person gives us reason for existence by, by redeeming our darkness with his light. Jesus comes and gives his light to us so that he can restore us to the very image of God. And he's done all that is required by living the life we should have lived and, and dying a perfect sacrificial death, paying the penalty for our sin on the cross so that we can have forgiveness of sin and be restored to God. That Jesus has done all that is required for that, which is a lot, right? And nothing that we can do can add to that because nothing needs to be added. So that leads us, if that's the big why of life, that leads us then, okay, then what do we need to do with our lives now that Jesus is everything and he's restored everything to us? Well, we need to set our minds 
on him. If Jesus is everything, and he's way more exciting than sin, and all the other things that we worry about, the big question is, is what do we do with that? Paul says we set our minds on Christ and not on earthly things. Set your minds on on heavenly things and on Jesus and not on earthly things. And so I'm going to ask you, how are you doing with that? Do you have that locked down? You have that on lock that, you know, you just got it down. That's easy, right? Well, don't forget that lying is an earthly thing. So that means that all of us are still in the midst of this struggle. We set our minds on Christ and not on earthly things. That's the big what in life. And then there's the big how. How do you do that? At the end of chapter 3, Paul says specifically you need to put to death the old person who used to be you but died. And now you're alive with Christ. And so you need to put to death the old person and you need to put on the particular attributes of God. And he says at the end of chapter 3 that we can actually work and put on God in our daily lives, and our work. And he points out specific people in specific positions that we can honor God in any place that we are. Put to death sin, put on God. And then finally here in these verses that we just read in chapter 4, Paul concludes the pastoral part of his content, the instruction part, by detailing, answering the question, by what means? So if we're to put on Christ, what has he made available to us? What things has he given us that we can do all these things that he commands us to do? And the answer to that question, by what means, and what we just read, is the gospel rhythm. The gospel rhythm of prayer and mission. And then some more prayer and then some more mission. Just, just for a few, you know, six, seven more decades or whatever. Just prayer and mission. It's the gospel rhythm. Now, verses 2 through 4, uh, wrong chapter. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Pray for us that the door would be open and, and that I make it clear. And then it gets right into verses 5 and 6. It's about mission. Walk in wisdom with those on the outside. And your speech should be like this. Prayer and mission. This is so impactful to me because in the years of leading the church, I started off in my 20s where uh, I didn't need to learn anything because, you know, I'm a millennial. I've got all the stuff right here. And then I realized I actually don't. And I've learned about how can we be very simple with mission. And we saw some, some really cool missional things really happening on the campus years ago. And we've been asking God, how can this evangelistic uh, life multiplying thing happen in the community? What's the secret? And I've really seen that God has shown us that it, it can be boiled down to uh, in the community or on the campus. We can see the life of God that he's given us multiplied to others through just a secret of one basic thing that we can do. It's praying. It's this rhythm. And so I love how Paul details this in this chapter because the heart of, of what I want to do before I die in this church, which I hope is decades away, that I don't die too soon, but in my leadership on earth, I, I want to see people praying and doing mission with an overwhelming uh, anointing and authority and joy. Praying in mission. In fact, in our growth groups, we've we every growth group every week, every meeting, 
we have a point where we pray specifically and strategically. We, we call it needs and names. Every person is responsible for, for praying for a need that they have in their own and then praying for a name of someone else that they want to bless that's not there, that's not in any church. So every person present in a growth group, there's a need that we pray for for you, but we also have a name for someone that's not yet present. And I love how Paul points out that in, in, in the context here that there is a, a, a inseparable link between our prayer and our mission. It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm that God gives us. Oh, don't worry about that. Sorry. My prayer is that we walk in this church in this rhythm of prayer and mission to the degree to, to which the people that God has placed around you would be swept up into it by God through your prayer and through your mission and through your acting. And that the prophecy of Gloria Stefan would be fulfilled for them. You know, when Gloria Stefan uh, prophesied, the rhythm is going to get you. <laughs> that the rhythm, if you're old enough, you can laugh. <laughs> but seriously, the rhythm of God, prayer, yes. mission, prayer, mission, Someone is totally missing their cue to drop a beat here, but I'll just move on. <laughs> that this rhythm would just be the, the new normal for us. It's our dance. It's what we do. It's how we act. It's who we are. We are prayers and we are missionaries, all of us. We reject prayerless mission and we reject missionless prayer. We want to be those that are drawing into the heart of God so much so that we strategically pour out the heart of God on others that he's placed around us. We are missional, praying people. And so that's why with our time remaining, I want to unpack some of the verses that we just read, but in a, in a totally different way. I want to give a little bit more understanding of what we've read but I want to spend more time operating on that little bit of understanding. And I'm going to explain how we're going to do that in a second. But let me go back through these verses just real briefly. Paul says in verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Let, let me ask you, raise your hand if this week you use the adverb steadfastly. Okay, no one, me neither. <laughs> continue steadfastly in prayer. It literally just means persevere in prayer. Like, keep praying. Paul says uh, elsewhere, pray constantly. Always pray. Prayer should be habitual and constant. My son this morning, we had, a, we had an interesting prayer moment that we have to do a little bit better job discipling our kids. We got a lot of work to do. Uh, we uh, got a special breakfast for Mother's Day for my wife, and we, we had donuts, and, and we prayed before the meal, and, and my oldest child, Hadassah, asked if she could pray for the meal, and she prayed for it, but my four-year-old, Alma, threw a big fit that she didn't get to say the prayer words, and so she ran into her room, and she's not quite getting what prayer is all about, but we moved on, and then we, they ate their donuts, and I wanted to give them some fruit, and we put some fruit on the table, and my son, my five-year-old son, Asa, says, uh, can we not pray? Like, he thought, like, okay, I think I'm supposed to, I want to eat this, but uh, I don't want to pray first, because that's what you're supposed to do, right? But can we not do that? He's totally missed the point of prayer. Prayer before a meal should be something that's habitual, not obligatory. Uh, and he thought, okay, this is an obligatory moment to get to what I really want, which is the food in my face. So we have some work to do there. But prayer should be 
a constant thing that, that you can let God into anything. And I pray that we would be drawing into the heart of God in every place, in your ugly parts, the ugly parts of your day or your, your thinking, that you can let God in there. That prayer can be constant. Like, hey, hey, God, here's a prayer in that moment. Hey, God, that was kind of ugly what I thought there, right? Help me. That's a godly prayer. Prayer can be constant and habitual. Verse 2, he, he, he gives some caveats about this constant prayer. He ends by saying, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Watchful thanksgiving. First, this thanksgiving word is, is great. When you go to God to prayer right now, today, tomorrow, go to God with, by all means, with stuff you need. Ask him for stuff. That's good prayer. But when you ask him for stuff from the present and the future, it should be informed by thankfulness for what he's done in the past. We go to God in prayer girded by our thanksgiving for what he's already done. One of my favorite verses on prayer is Philippians 4, 6. Paul says, be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, which is asking for stuff. He says, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Thanksgiving in prayer, inseparable. Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Praying without thanksgiving is like trying to play soccer without a ball. We go into prayer with thanksgiving. He also says, be watchful. Are you watchful and aware of what God's doing around the, the world and what, what, what needs are arising in the world at large and in the world around you? We, we don't want to be prayerful without being watchful. We want to be aware of what, what needs are out there so that we can be more specific and precise in our praying. Of course, on the other hand, you don't want to be watchful without being prayerful. We all love those experts of what's wrong in the world, right? And just, you know, this is bad, this is bad, that guy's a clown, that guy's a clown, and just complaining about everyone in the government, and it's constant. We don't want to be watchful without being prayerful. I mean, just look at your Facebook feed. We've got enough of that. We want to be prayerful and, and thankful and watchful. In verse 3, he says, at the same time, pray also, and he gets more specific. Paul says, pray for us. That God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am in prison. Paul literally wrote this letter while he was in a prison. Which is extremely intriguing. Paul is praying... Not that the doors of the gates of that prison would be opened, but that a, a door for the gospel would be opened in the world. And he's asking them for prayer for that. Is that us? I mean, let's just like, let's be painfully specific. Do we do that? What about you? Do you pray more? I'm going to get personal here. Do you pray more that God releases you from the dis difficult circumstances that you face? more than you do that God would be glorified in the midst of that difficult circumstance? I mean, by all means, pray that he would release you. But do you pray that with that difficult thing, that he would reach other people and open a door to them for the gospel? 
people, by the way, that also have difficult circumstances in their life, but might have a more difficult eternal circumstance. Maybe they are alienated from knowing Jesus and God's placed them in your life so that you can, in the midst of that difficult circumstance, say, God, thank you for this. Open a door through it. Release me from it, please, but don't waste any of the difficulty. Open a door for your word. Verse 4, pray that I make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Paul is a pretty smart and anointed guy who's seen God, and yet he's still asking, pray that I make it clear. See, Paul knew that as Christians, as preachers, we're not people who possess the truth. We're people who tap into the truth. The eternal truth of God through his word, we act as conduits of it. And so we give to you only what we receive from God. And so he's asking, pray that I make it clear because it's clear. I'm sometimes not clear, but pray for me. As your pastor, I'm asking you to pray for me when I stand up and and deliver the word of God. It's truth. And I need you to pray that I make it clear. I honestly can spend more time preparing something clever to say than preparing something clear from his word. And I want to be a good conduit. I want to be someone who taps into the electric anointing of God, not just comes up with something clever to say. Pray for me. So the heart of prayer and the heart of mission, Paul goes right into. Verses 5 and 6, he says, walk in wisdom with what's translated in the ESV with toward Outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. When he says walk in wisdom with those on the outside, towards outsiders, literally it just says walk in wisdom toward those without, is the literal word. Walk in wisdom toward those without. Isn't it interesting that Paul's concluding remarks in his whole letter links prayer, which is our ability to connect with a supernatural, invisible, glorious God. He links that to us being able to supernaturally have ability to connect others that are currently without Christ. It's prayer and its mission. Then he gives us specific words, specific instructions to prayerful people about how we should talk with other people. And how many of y'all know that you and I need these instructions badly today? I sure do. He says, be gracious, meaning not judgmental. Maybe you've caught yourself before saying something like, well, I just tell it like it is. Let me tell you, if you're not being gracious, you're not telling it like it is because that's not how God is. He's gracious. He tells the truth and he tells it with graciousness. It says, let, it, let your speech be seasoned with salt. The Good News translation says, let your, your speech be pleasant and interesting. Have you ever known someone who, who speaks the word of God in a way that's pleasant and interesting and fresh? Anyone? Can I tell you the secret of why they can have fresh things from God? It's really simple. Because they get it from God. (laughs) They're praying. I mean, Jesus 
Jesus had more fresh and interesting things to say than anyone who ever walked the earth. He could contextualize the eternal truth of God to an agrarian society and poems and parables and the most amazing way. No one like Jesus could have fresh and interesting things to say because no one like Jesus connected with the heart of God. He really exhibited this rhythm of prayer and mission and prayer and mission. And today, I want us to not simply learn about this gospel rhythm, but to operate in it and to launch into this summer with this mojo of prayer and mission. And so with our time remaining, the next 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to act on this together. What we're going to do is we're going to pray back through the heart of of these instructions and we're going to pray through it. In this time remaining, I'm going to invite you to pray in groups of two or three in various moments. And if you're most comfortable, you can just pray on your own. But I am asking if you can to move or whatever in these last few minutes and pray as I instruct you a few minutes at a time, pray in groups of two or three. Now, the first thing we're going to cover, I'm going to go back through this. Verse two concludes with this, pray with thanksgiving. And so take two minutes. We're going to have a countdown here. Take two minutes in groups or on your own. Start by praying for one thing that you're thankful for. Think of one thing and just praise God for that in your groups and just pray that out. Go ahead. next thing we're going to pray for verse 2 also says be watchful in your prayer 
So pray for at least one thing that you see happening in the world, something that's on your heart about uh, a need in the world or in the world around you. Go ahead. this moment off with Ramika. I've prayed with Ramika in our growth group, and I want her to to pray for watchfulness in our prayers. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, we just come to you as humbly as we know how, thanking you, exalting you, and praising you, Lord God, helping us to be mindful of you, Lord God. You said in your word, who am I that we will be mindful of you? So, Father, help us to be mindful, to be thoughtful, to be kind, discerning, and compassionate towards one another, just as you are with us, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to walk in the fullness of your love, the magnitude of your glory, your strength, your peace, Lord God. That surpasses all human understanding. Help us to to extend that to others, Lord God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to not be selfish, Lord. To help help us, Lord, to walk in the fullness of who you are in each and every situation and encounter, Lord God. Help us to see people the way you see people, Lord. Help us to love the way you love, God. Help us to disciple, Lord God, where and when we're needed, Lord God. If it's by giving a hug or a smile, a food, money, Whatever the case may be, Lord, prick our hearts so that yes, we may God. be condensed tools, vessels used by you so that you will be glorified, that you will be exalted, you will be honored, and more will come to know you. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you will go above and beyond we could ever ask Amen. or think. We ask that you will go into the heart of the matter, the things that we're too prideful to mention, let alone the things that have gotten us bound in, in bitterness and, and unbelief. So, Lord, we ask you to go into those areas areas as well, Lord God. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to see your miracles all the more, your love and your majesty. And we promise that we'll give you all 
all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Ramika. Verse 3 says, Paul says, pray that a door would be open for the word of God. So let's take a moment to pray for open doors for church planning, campus ministry, and world missions, especially to be opened unto our every nation family, the ministry we're a part of. Go ahead. Scott's going to close off this moment of prayer. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are at work. Yes, you are. Thank you that you showed what would happen when you made all those people speak in all those languages on the day of Pentecost. You said with that, that all the nations were going to hear. And I ask you would bless your servants, God, who are in their remote, strange culture, learning their remote, strange language, and bringing the real, true gospel, bless those servants of yours in Jesus' name. I ask that you would speed up Bible translation. I ask that ministry would be very effective in places where the name of Jesus is not known. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would set captives free in North Korea. Lord, I pray that the word would be very strong where it already is, but it would be strong and conquering strong in Sudan. Lord, I'm praying for the church plant and the effort in New Zealand this summer. Please bless it and place a strong measure of your Holy Spirit's anointing on your people who are at work there. And I ask for the people at work with every nation that they'd have wisdom and discernment Especially, Lord, that they would link up with Christians who are there on the ground and have utter harmony and unity with them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last thing. Verse... Oh, second to last thing. Verse 4 says, pray that I make it clear. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. 
and our preaching team that the word of God would be on display and do what it does that we wouldn't get in the way. for the, the mighty anointing, Lord, that you have put on this man uh, from the way that he ministers to the way that he serves, his leadership. I think sometimes we forget that our, our, our leaders also need prayer. So God, right now, I just pray for a refreshing anointing, a refreshing power, a refreshing glory, Lord, that rains down on him right now. I thank you for the calling that you've placed on this man's life. Lord, I pray that any burdens that he has on his life right now be released. Lord, we ask because we know that you are able to release them. We just thank you for this man, for his heart, for his determination his passion for you and his passion for this church. We just ask that you continue to cover him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. These things we ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Last thing, I promise the last thing. Verse 4 and 5 details about walking in wisdom, or 5 and 6, walking in wisdom with outsiders. Let's pray for those outside this church. And and when I say outside this church, I mean not like in another church. But I'm going to ask you specifically, pray for one name, someone that's not in church today, maybe without Christ, that you can bless them, can bring their name up to the throne of God, and ask God to touch their life love on them through prayer. One name. Go.
Lord, I thank you for these names. Lord, we remember that we were names in a prayer when we were dead. Help us to live in a rhythm of life that honors you for that mystery and humbly and generously longs for others to see that mystery revealed in their life. Lord, more than I can articulate and talk about this rhythm, Lord, you're the one who produces it and sustains it and multiplies it. And I'm asking for you to do that mightily, that our, our, our prayer and our mission would be multiplied supernaturally this summer in a way that only you can take credit for. And Lord, I thank you for the moms today that we celebrate. I thank you for this special day. Lord, I pray that, that the mission of God would not be lost on these precious and powerful missionaries. But I ask that you would bless the moms in here. And Lord, I'm asking too for, for you to, to draw near to those who are struggling today on a day like today. Jesus, only you can draw near to those who are struggling, who've, who've had struggles with mom, who've, who've had a loss of a mom. Who've, who've faced uh, miscarriage and Lord who've, who've been affected by estrangement and abortion and infertility Lord these are words that are, are, are so difficult to, to even speak and yet you're the one who can heal Lord I thank you that out of darkness you bring light that's all of our story. We're objects of your mercy. And so in our prayer, and on Mother's Day, we pray that those of us who are objects of your mercy would become supernatural and anointed instruments of your mercy for your kingdom and your power and your glory. And everyone said, amen. What a special historical day for our church. Let's give the Lord a hand.